Oh man, I, I just love this Christmas season. Don't you guys love Christmas? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's like the lights or the songs or that like whole wall full of Christmas presents out there. Give you guys a hand, right? Thank you guys for bringing those gifts in, that's for sure. I'm going to help a lot of families. Um, hey, my, my name is Jason Lowe, and this is my, my beautiful bride, Laura, sitting right up here in the front row. Um, and, and I have the privilege of serving here as a strategy pastor. And then in just over a year, uh, she and I, were going to be launching Union Church and serving uh, in Flint Township. We're super excited about that. Well, we, we are in week three of this series, Travel Light, and, and it was uh, two weeks ago that Shay was talking about letting go of distractions, right, of these, of these fancy little devices and setting boundaries and guardrails up in our lives so that we can really focus on the things that matter the most. And then last week, super powerful message on letting go of bitterness uh, and really making sure that we don't let that root of bitterness take take control, take root in our hearts. And so I'd encourage you guys, if you missed either of the last two weeks, go and check out grumlaw.com slash messages, or you can go to Grumlaw Church, anywhere you guys grab your podcast and get caught up. Well, well this week, that would be really appropriate, uh, especially in light of the holidays, to talk about letting go of control. <laughs> yeah, letting go of control. How many of you guys know somebody in your life who's controlling, just by a show of hands? Yeah, right. Now, now if, um, if as you raise your hand, you were like peeking at the person next to you to make sure that they raise their hand, um, may, maybe, just maybe, this message might, might be for you. Now, if, if you reached over and grabbed the hand of the person next to you to rate, then you are definitely a controlling person. Like, you, you make coffee nervous. You're so controlling, right? Like, uh, and, and maybe if you, you're just like, no, I'm not controlling. I'm just just aggressively helpful, or I'm, I'm thoroughly organized. No, it's, it's control. It's definitely control. Um, as I've been praying and, and processing through this in my own life and, and really trying to figure out, like answer this question, where does my desire to control come from? I, I know that for me as, as a Jesus follower, it, it ultimately comes from a, a lack of trust in God. That, that when we overestimate, when we overestimate our ability to control we're underestimating the power of God. But, but this isn't just like a Jesus follower thing, right? I mean, this desire to control. It's, it's a human being thing. And, and so in, in the process of, of preparing for this message, I, I came across this, across this really fascinating research study. It was a survey of adults who were raised with unhealthy control. And this, was, this was kind of mind-blowing. So, so these adults, as, as children, these adults, they, they felt forbidden to question or disagree with their parents, 90%. Uh, they, they felt that pleasing their parents was more important than being themselves. And then they felt hemmed in and without choices. And then as adults, as adults, the, these, these adults that were raised with unhealthy control, they, they feel perfectionistic, driven, or rarely satisfied. They're, they're easily angered around controlling people, right? So if you get ticked off at controlling people, maybe this is, is you. They feel extra sensitive to criticism. And then this part really kind of struck me. So in retrospect, their, their parents, so, so these adults, they're looking back and, and, and considering their parents, that their parents seemed unwilling to admit when they were wrong, 100%. Uh, that they, their parents, they, they encouraged connections with the, those others outside their family, only 14%. And this last one, they encouraged their children to express feelings, only 5%. So these are people that were raised with an unhealthy control. And so for me, uh, this is a super sobering thought. Like, like as, as I'm raising young children, 
I, I really want to make sure that I'm not over controlling. But, but the problem is, and I'm pretty sure we all know this to be true, that, that if I really want to try and control my desire to not be controlling, I'm just going to end up being more controlling. Right? But, but this isn't just a parenting thing, right? This is, this is really true in all areas of our life, whether we're a Jesus follower or not, that the more we want to control, the greater the fear of a loss of control, the harder we try and control, and then ultimately the more out of control we feel. So what do we do? What do we do? What's the answer? Like, How do I not be a controlling person? How do, how do, I, how do I let go of control? How do I not feel out of control? And yet at the same time, like maintain some sense of sanity, especially when, when life throws you a curveball, like, like you're, you, ju- you just lost your job. How, how are you supposed to let go of control in a moment like that? Or, or you get like a, a really scary medical diagnosis. How, how, do you, how do you respond? How do you react? How do you live uh, and not, not have this desire to be over-controlling in that, in that moment? <laughs> or, or maybe on Christmas Eve, Cousin Eddie shows up. Right, right. I mean, like, knock on your door. Like, oh my gosh! Like, there was a reason I didn't invite you. Like, why are you here? Uh, how many of you guys have a cousin Eddie in your in your family? Yeah. Those of you guys who didn't raise your hand, me on a little secret. You are your family's cousin Eddie. Okay. <laughs> or, or what? What about you know? For those of us who've you know, we thought we were done having kids. I got two, three, four kids, and then all of a sudden, surprise! Kid number four, kid number five, like, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. How am I going to raise more kids? Or, or for some of us, we've been trying to have kids for years and years, and now it doesn't seem possible. So if the answer is not to live with this like clenched fist, this attitude of try harder and try harder and try harder, uh, if, if more control is ultimately only going to make things worse, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's a letting go of control. Maybe it's a, a surrender. And so in light of the fact that we are only 10 days away from Christmas, and in this Christmas season, I thought it would be super appropriate for us to go and look at the, the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And if you're brand new to this whole church thing, uh, we, we go and we look in the Bible, and the Bible's broken up into two different parts. We get the Old Testament, which is all about the, the history of the nation of Israel, and so much in the Old Testament is pointing towards the birth of Jesus. And then we have the New Testament, and the first four books of the New Testament, we call them the Gospels or the Good News, and, and it's the stories of the, the birth and the ministry, and then the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then the rest of the New Testament is, is how the early church began. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at one person who, who, if anyone had this understanding of this desire to control a situation, to control information, it would be Mary. It would be Mary, but, but she chose something different. She chose this attitude of surrender. And so we're going to take a look at Mary from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38. Uh, so, uh, let's follow along with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, now just, just real quick, uh, if, 
If you've read this before, like I have, maybe you've just skimmed over that and kept going on to, to verse 28. But, but this, this right here, a descendant of King David, for the first century audience, this would have been like a, oh my goodness, holy smoke, stop right. What did you just say? A descendant of King David, like for them in that moment, this would have marked something huge, like, like universe altering sort of a moment. So let's, let's keep reading and see what that is. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary said. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. Mary asked the angel, but how? How could this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The faith of this girl who's like, 13 or 14 years old is, is incredible. So th this comes from the New Living Translation. There, there's another translation I want to read this last verse from. It's the English Standard Version, which basically just means they took the original Greek and they translated just a little bit more, like literally word for word. So, so this is what Mary said. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be. God's going to get you pregnant. And her response is, let it be. Let's all say that together. Let it be. Will you guys allow me to, to pray for us as we uh, dive in? Father, uh, to have this attitude that Mary had to, of, of let it be, that sometimes it's so challenging. Sometimes it's just, it's just tough. So God, I just pray that even this morning, um, with, with the words that I've prepared, with what is communicated, God, would you, would you speak to all of our hearts to help us to know how to let it be? I'm convinced that our desire to control is, is ultimately rooted in a lack of faith. I, I mean, when, when you see Mary's response, right? Her, her, when when the, she first meets the angel, her response is confused and disturbed. I mean, that, that's a super appropriate reaction whenever uh, God tells you, hey, you're a virgin, but you're gonna get pregnant. <laughs> super appropriate, right? Um, or when we've lost our job or medical, or, or when cousin, cousin Eddie shows up, like confused and disturbed, super appropriate reaction. But what we do from there is really the test of, of, of our relationship with God and our ability to let it be. And, and maybe for some of us, you might be tempted to say, yeah, but, but, but Mary, right? I mean, she, she's Mary. Like, like it, it was Jesus. He, he was going to like die and rise again. And he's going to be the, the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's going to go and sit at the right hand of God after he rises from the dead. Like, but Mary didn't have any of those advantages. She didn't know the end of her story. I mean, just like you and I, when we get that diagnosis, when, when cousin Eddie shows up, all we know is what's right in front of us. I mean, Mary, all she knew is what the angel Gabriel told her in that moment. She didn't know the end of her story. And then, and then isn't, isn't our lack of faith, isn't it often seen in, in our desire to control the way that information gets out? Isn't our, our desire to control and that lack of faith, isn't it 
Isn't it seen in the way that we try and control how other people react or respond? And it would have been so easy and even understandable for Mary to have done that. I mean, if, if, if you understand what Mary was facing in this moment, for her to be with child, for her to have gotten pregnant outside of wedlock in this culture would have been one of the most shameful things that she could have experienced. Uh, I mean, to the extent that Joseph would have had every right to have actually have had her killed because of her getting pregnant. So, so it would have been very conceivable for, for Mary to have tried to figure out a way, maybe a way out of her engagement to Joseph. Uh, I mean, does she tell Joseph or not? Like, does she just try and make something up and, and try and hide herself away? Or maybe she tells Joseph and is able to convince him, hey, let's just, let's just like run away to a nearby town and let's just tell everybody we were already married. It would have been very conceivable for her to maybe not even tell her family at all, or let's do a shotgun wedding. Let's just hope people can't like count to nine. I, I don't know. I mean, how, how can we spin this to make it appear so it's not that bad? Because in this culture, it was that bad. And yet, what was her reaction? Her, her, her reaction, her response was, let it be. Let it be to me according to everything you have said. Let it be. I mean, the, the faith of this, this teenage girl, I mean, it's, it's estimated that Mary was only 13 or 14 years old. So the faith of this teenage girl to say, let it be, is absolutely inspiring and incredible. I mean, she had in this moment, she had to choose between, between her plans and you have to believe that she had plans, right? She was engaged to be married to, 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 to the love of her life. And she had no intention of getting pregnant before she got married. And, and so now like all of her plans are all completely thrown out the window. And she has to choose between her plans and God's purpose. She has to choose, right, between her dreams and God's destiny. Because she's just been told that this child that she's carrying is it's about something way bigger than just her. She has to choose between her desire for control and God's calling on her life and on her son's life. So, so that e even though she doesn't understand the plan, she chooses to trust that God has a purpose. Which then brings me, brings us to this question that we've got to ask ourselves. What, what are you trying to control that is outside of your control. And I, I see this almost every single day. Um, I, I, Monday through Friday from 11.30 to 1.30, I volunteer uh, as a noon hour supervisor at Randall's Elementary School, the, the school in the Carmen Ainsworth District where my kids are going to school. And, and, and I basically get to go and hang out with kids at recess, which sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, on, on Friday, I actually broke up two fights. I mean, knock down, drag out fights. I mean, there was blood. It was bad. And I was like the only adult out there with like 75 fifth graders. Wasn't fun. And, I, and I, every single day I see these kids and I don't know all of their stories, but, but by listening and observing and hearing the way they talk and hearing the way they interact with each other, they are doing everything they can to try and control their immediate circumstance and their immediate surroundings. And best I can tell, it's because their, their life at home is so out of control that, that that's all that they have. And it leads to complete chaos and complete disruption in the classroom. What are you trying to control that's completely outside of your control? Because I think ultimately when we control, that that's what happens. That's where it leads. It may not look as messy as fifth graders fighting on a playground, but, but it's not what God has designed for us. So where do you need to surrender? 
Where do you need to say, let it be? Maybe for you, it's a relationship issue. Maybe for you, it is your cousin Eddie. Maybe you have someone in your family that you know that God is calling you to reconcile things with that person. You're like, how? How is that even possible? I don't. But if you know that that's what God is calling you to do, let it be. Or, or may, maybe you're in a dating relationship with someone and you know, you know that that relationship is not healthy. It's not what God wants. It's not what's best for you. And God might be calling you to end that relationship. Or, or may, maybe there's a fear that's in your heart that's been in your life and it's just crippling. How, how, do, how do you stand against that fear? Because you've tried controlling, you've tried controlling your circumstances, your surroundings, your situations, so that you don't, you don't experience that crippling fear anymore. And, and what God is trying to speak to you this morning is let it be. Trust him to face that fear. Or maybe it's this like intense pursuit of perfection, right? You, you try and control every single project that comes across your plate, even every person that you interact with because you have this, this intense desire to control and push everything and everyone towards perfection. Or, or maybe it's your kid's future, right? I mean, may, maybe your kids are, are, are getting close to ending high school and getting ready to go off to college or getting ready to get married. And, and you're like, man, if, but, if, but if they keep dating this person, then I know it's not going to go well for them. And so you're trying to like manipulate the situation so that you can try and get them, force them, control them to do what you think is best for them. And I'm not saying you, you abdicate parenting, but, but is there a way that you need to let it be let it be surrender and allow God to do what only he can do. And I know Laura and I, we, we've had so many of these like let it be moments in, in our relationship and in, in our marriage, you know, mo- moments where we've had to choose uh, careers. We've had to, we've had to make these, these choices financially or, or, or the number of kids we're going to have, or, or is it time to, to step into the foster care system and then, then step out and now, now back into the foster care system and, and starting a church. There's been so many of these moments, and and I wish I could stand before you here this morning and say, at every single moment along the way, both Laura and I have lived with this let it be attitude of surrender, but I can tell you that's not been the case because it is an everyday, moment by moment choice to live with surrender, to live and say, let it there's been times where God has called us to something and we've, we've made that choice initially to say, okay, God, whatever you want, you want us to move in this direction, we'll go in that direction. And so we, we start with this, let it be. And then it's like, it seems like only like minutes later, we're, we're back to that like control, control, control. And then all of a sudden things start going in ways that we didn't want, we didn't expect and weren't right. And we're like, oh yeah, God, you know what's best. Let it be, let it be. What, what, I, what I think is, fascinating is that this phrase, let it be, it must have been like Mary's mantra. She, she must have said it way more than just this one time because it appears again later in the pages of scripture. Uh, as we see towards the end of the gospels, uh, in, in the night before Jesus was crucified, he, he knows what's coming. He knows that ultimately the plan that, that the Father in heaven and Jesus had worked out to, to bring about salvation, to bring about restoration and healing for the entire human race, ultimately was leading him towards crucifixion on a Roman cross. 
and he's, he's on his face and he's pleading with the Father in heaven and saying, saying, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let's figure it out. Not my will, yours be done. He says, let it be, let it be. To follow Jesus, to follow Jesus, it's a surrender control. And there's no such thing as a, as a partial surrender. We, we can't like, we can't surrender 87% of control to Jesus, hold on to that, to that last 13%, right? Because when we, when we overestimate our ability to control, we are underestimating the power of God. The, the, the one thing that, that God has been like speaking to my heart this week and that I hope you guys would take home with you is this, that God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control. Our, our obsession with control, it will ultimately negatively impact the next generation. But, but when we surrender to this infinitely loving, trustworthy God, to, to our Father in heaven who sent his one and only son, Jesus, that when, that, that when we surrender, we're placing our future into his hands. And ultimately, the impact of that will be, will be on multiple generations. Because to choose to surrender control to Jesus, it will make your life better and make you better at life because, because God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control. So where do you need to let go of control this morning? Maybe for, for some of you here this morning, maybe you got dragged here or they bribed you and told you they'd take you out for a nice meal or maybe there was a cute girl that you came for. Um, maybe for some of you here this morning, you've never really heard or understood the fact that you have a father in heaven that loves you with such intensity that he sent his one and only son to die, to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And that, that if we surrender, if we say to our Father in heaven, let it be, let it be, that, that we will receive not only eternal life with God forever, but an abundant life here if we choose to surrender. Because God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control. And so if, so if that's where you're at, I, I'd love to know uh, that, that, that that's you. I'd love to know where you're at. And, and if you're, man, like I wanna take that next step. I wanna trust Jesus. This won't save you, but it will give me an opportunity to connect with you. Would you, would you mind texting the word trust? This is our, this is our Grumlaw number. 810-510-0298. Would you just mind taking your phone out right now, shooting a quick text, say trust. I'd love to be able to connect with you this week, especially if what you're saying in that is, man, I, I know I need to trust in Jesus. But, but if this morning you're, you're thinking, man, like, but I'm, a, I'm already a Jesus follower, and, and I know that what God's calling me to do is to let go of control, but how? What's my next step? Um, I, I'd encourage you to, to consider letting go of what is arguably one of the most important things that we control. And so you need, just track with me here for a minute. It's, it's our finances. There, there, there's this principle in the pages of Scripture. Paul talks about it uh, in several different places where, where he talks about giving a percentage 
of what we make every single week or every single month and giving it away. And Shay, and Shay has mentioned this before, I'll say it again. We're not even saying give it here to Grumlaw, but give it away somewhere. Because as we choose to give a percentage of our regular income away, we are saying in that singular act, God, I trust you with what's most important. And if you can trust God with what's most important, you can probably trust him with everything else. And so would you consider even this morning committing to giving a percentage of your income away? Because, because God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control. Or, or maybe, maybe for you this morning, it is relationships. Maybe you know that what God is calling you to do, what God has been like whispering in your ear this morning, is that you need to end a relationship. You need to cut ties and you need to move on. But, but you might be thinking, but, but will, I, will I ever get married? What will my friends think? What will my family think? Like, let, let it be. If you know God's calling you to do something, trust him. Let it be. Because God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control. Maybe for you, it's, it's your priorities. Maybe it's the way you spend your time and you're thinking, man, like, but, but, but this Christmas season and this season is so busy that like this investment in my relationship with God, like I can really only come like maybe once a month or maybe once a week. I can, I can really only make it to church. That, guys, God wants to have a relationship with you. If, if Laura and I, were to only go on dates like once a week or once a month, our marriage would have ended probably a long time ago because that's not a relationship. We communicate, we connect every single day. That's the type of relationship that your heavenly father wants to have with you, to connect with you every single day. And one of the best ways for you to connect with your father in heaven is to spend time praying and to spend time reading your Bible. And we have free Bibles in the back you can download the Bible app, a U version on, on a smartphone, but God wants to spend time with you every single day. So would you schedule what is most important? Because God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my control.